Blog Talk Radio. And good evening. My name is Ryan Miner, and you are listening to a Minor Detail brought to you by the Change Montgomery County Radio Network. And tonight is a special show. We're going to be analyzing the Republican presidential debate. And so far, I have three callers with me. Uh, I have Selwyn uh, Bridgman, I have Thomas Coleman, and I have a third person. Who is who is this with me now? Is that Julie? I think I have Julie. Sorry, we're just ironing out the kinks here a bit. Oh, that's Kim. <laughs> All right. I have so I have five people with me. Kim Euler. Hi, Kim. Hello. And then I have an eight three one number. Who is that? Oh, that's Eric, your favorite California friend. Eric. Okay. <laughs> and then I have a a two o two number, and I'm assuming that's Liz. That's me. Hi. And, Okay, so, and then I have Julie Brewington as well, right, Julie? Hello, Julie? Okay, I have one, two, three, four, five. Okay, so I think Julie's going to be calling in in a moment. So, real quick, before we get started with our, our panel, I want to have each of you introduce yourself, starting with you, Eric Beasley, go. Uh, I'm Eric, I'm uh, the... Uh, treasurer of the Maryland Young Republicans, and I'm just a overall political pundit and rabble-rouser. Okay. And then I think Julie Brewington is joining me. Hi, Julie. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how are you? Okay. Hey, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Do you want to what? Go ahead and introduce yourself. Oh. We have the panel live. I am um, Julie Brewington, live from the Eastern Shore. Ready hey, to Julie. have a good time talking, talking about um, the crazy world of politics. It's going to be a blast. Okay, Kim Mueller, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Kim Mueller I'm from Montgomery County, and I sit on two um, GOP boards. Okay. Uh, Selwyn, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, good, good evening. I'm Selwyn Donnie Bridgman. You can call me Selwyn or, or Donnie. I'm a Prince George's County native. I'm currently a candidate for city council in Bladensburg. Uh, I consider myself to be a progressive capitalist, uh, center-right Democrat. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to, uh, to to talk about the wonderful candidates that we saw on display last night. All right, awesome. Okay, and then I have Tom Coleman. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Tom. Yeah, my name is Thomas Coleman. I'm from uh, Caroline County and uh, on the Eastern Shore here. Been born and bred, lived here all my life, uh, political activist. Former Republican Party member and, and uh, all-around uh, rabble-rouser, worse than Eric, probably. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> last but certainly not least, Liz, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, hi, I'm Liz Matori. I am a newly formed, unaffiliated slash independent candidate for U.S. House of Representatives in um, the 8th Congressional District. I am a D.C. native, and I can't wait to participate in my first ever conversation about a Republican uh, debate. <laughs> so I decided this debate or this panel should be a mixture of Democrats and Republicans, uh, all different uh, men, women, a mixture of all kinds of great people. And so uh, we're we have a we going to have a really fantastic panel tonight. Uh, and I think somebody else is buzzing in. Is there a 443 number here? That's me. That might be That's me, Tom. Ryan. Okay. Uh, well, I I'm we... I'm four four three. Okay. So let's start. Um, I want to talk just briefly about the 
<laughs> the six o'clock kitty table debate. And uh, it, 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 did any of you guys watch that, Eric? Did you watch the the kitty table debate? Uh, no, I was uh, watching some paint dry and some grass grow. No, oh, okay. A little busy. Well, that's fine. Uh, how about you, Liz? Did you watch that six uh, six o'clock debate? Um, I saw it briefly, and I felt bad because it was like when you show up for um, the varsity game and you get there when the JV are playing, and um, <laughs> you know that's how I was feeling. But I did, I did try to watch just in case it came up tonight. Um, and you know it was weird because I felt like you know Governor Pataki was trying to have a conversation, and then everybody else was just, just really just not participating in a debate per se. So I just yeah. felt really bad for Pataki. So there was George Pataki, former governor of New York, and there was Rick Santorum, former uh, senator of Pennsylvania who lost in 2006 by nearly 19 points. Then there is current governor Bobby Jindal, who is the governor of Louisiana. And then you have uh, Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. And, you know, it was sort of the Lindsey Graham show. And some people... Yeah, I was clean, this is Julie. I was cleaning my house, but I oh. was watching it. And, okay. yeah, uh, it was the Lindsey Graham show. It was uh, quite amazing. He he was really super tough. I mean, he brought his big boy pants, and yeah, he was ready to go attack <laughs> So I'm just I'm scrolling through some of the, uh, the opening statements, and uh, Lindsey Graham said, I'm the only candidate tonight who has served in the military while Ronald Reagan was president. We have to win the war on radical Islam. I'm the most qualified to be commander-in-chief on day one. I have a plan to win this war. Uh, Tom Coleman, Lindsey Graham, what's your thoughts? <laughs> you really want that? Um, no, oh, I, I want it. I, I, I just, yeah, well, I, I just think he's a, a complete warmongering pig, to tell you the truth. I mean, I, I, he really is. I mean, every every question, no matter what it was, it was always, I'm going to beat his is, I'm going to bomb, you know, Brown people. I mean, that 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 that's where we're I, hitting. I, I, I mean, them. This this is Selwyn. I'll, I'll jump in and say this. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not a I'm not a, a huge Lindsey Graham fan, but I, I do think he's an honorable man. I yeah. think he has a record. I mean, he's much deeper than warmongering. He actually, under the Bush administration, he calls him as he sees him. He was definitely one of those guys who wasn't afraid to say, "Hey, where's the body armor? Hey, what's going on there?" He, uh, I, I really think he, uh, I mean, for a guy who was on the impeachment panel against Clinton, he's really had a, a pretty, pretty honest career. So I, yeah. I, I do think he's, he's definitely got a record of integrity. Um, and as far as the warmongering, uh, you know, it's politics. He, he's, he's staking out a position. Um, you know, he's definitely, he's definitely more hawkish than I think the American people are ready for. Uh, but you know, uh, think, again, you, uh-huh. you don't think his position has anything to do with uh, living in South Carolina, do you? <laughs> I mean, how many militaries in South Carolina? I mean, he's trying right. to put yeah. all his cars into South Carolina. And, well, they uh, elect the adjutant general of the National Guard as well. All right, I want to move on okay. to uh, – so they, they started out the, the 6 o'clock p.m. debate, and this is just a little pretext into the main <clears throat> event. And we'll, We will exhaustively analyze the uh, the big main event. Uh, so, look, we have – Jindal basically attacked Donald Trump from the outset, and he's been doing this for a couple weeks now. And he said, let's stop treating Donald Trump like a Republican. He's not a conservative. (laughs) He's not a liberal. He believes in Donald Trump. The the idea of America is slipping away. He said our government is creating a new entitlement program, yada, yada. We have a president who won't even say radical Islamic terror. 
do we depend on, do we depend on proven conservative principles? And then he kind of went on and more. So, Liz, is Bobby mm-hmm. Jindal going to be elected president of the United States? No. <laughs> That's pretty decisive. I mean, you know, to be honest, I. It's weird to watch. It, you know, it's not obvious on the because we're all on the radio. So, like, I'm an African American daughter of a Filipino immigrant, technically, and so. You know, it's weird to watch someone else who's a child of an immigrant to speak very, no offense to anybody, but, like, really soundingly racist. Yeah. It's really hard. To, it's hard for me to watch. It really is. So um, uh, this is a free speech zone. So tonight is a lot of fun, and please don't feel afraid to say anything. Right, Tom Coleman? Uh, you, you don't got to worry about that for me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> It, this is Selwyn. This is Selwyn. If hey, I can jump in here for t- 15 yeah, seconds, sure. I, uh, I I'm also an African American, uh, but uh, but you know I, I'm 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 not judging these folks from you know Democrat Selwyn Donnie Bridgman's point of view. I'm judging them from the point of view of a Republican primary electorate and a Republican primary electorate. Bobby Jindal has quite a quite a record to tout. And, and I understand his frustration because he has a real record. He believes in cutting government. He's cut it by, I've heard him say, 30%. I mean, we can fact check that. But he's taken on, much like Scott Walker, these are folks who've taken on the battle in real governance. They've actually managed yeah. something. They've run something. So, Whether we agree with it or not, they actually have legitimate record. So I, I didn't Donnie, say anything about his record. I was just saying that it's really hard to listen to him because he, it's just really hard to listen to. That's all I was saying. And when well, it comes down to audience, oh, definitely forget, is, it's, definitely on, it's, it, it's on CNN. So, yes, yeah. it's for Republican primaries, but it's an international audience. Oh, sure. I mean, this we is need to the, remember that. the world I, stage I actually, here. Actually, this is, this is Tom again. I actually thought he was the most articulate of, of the four last night. Um, maybe that's... Uh, yeah, Jindal. Okay. Uh, you know, he he had, he also you know he had also the best catchphrase of anybody with the religious liberty thing. I believe yeah. I, I know there's probably some of us that disagree with that, but I I, I well, really think he won last night. Well, panel, I want to go into this. Uh, Kim and I visited New Hampshire uh, this past weekend, and we had an opportunity to head over to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and then we drove just slightly, I think, north to Dover, New Hampshire, about 20 minutes outside of uh, – and we had, to, we had the opportunity to see some of these candidates. So in person, we met uh, Lindsey Graham and George Pataki. And Kim – Kim sort of has – you know, Kim is a – you would say, Kim, you're a libertarian, Republican? Yes. <laughs> you really like Lindsey Graham. I do. I do like him. I'm not going to say I agree with everything about him. But there's something about him that I like. I think he just has a very engaging quality about him. And that's not to say I'm all for war or anything, but I think I think he definitely has a record, and I and I do like him. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I want to go to Julie. Julie, what do you think about Santorum? Um, I really like Rick in the last election, but I just feel like he's lost any momentum that he um, – would have. Um, he's very much focused on the social issues, and while I don't disagree with his stance there, it just seems like he's one-dimensional mm-hmm. in that regard to me. Um, so I just don't see him as you know somebody who's going to be in there very long. Yeah. Uh, so I want to go go over to Liz, and then we'll go to Eric. Liz, Rick Santorum is a decidedly social conservative. He's somebody that is mostly inflexible on some of these issues that we would consider to be wedge issues. 
Does Rick Santorum speak to the Democratic Party, Liz? Uh, I don't think I know very much about him to talk about him, to be honest. If anyone who um, would be a threat, if you will, would be Kasich. Because I think Kasich really speaks, and I know he spoke in the second one, but, you know, he, shoot, I've started following him in, like, the moment that the first debate was over because he actually mm-hmm. actually sounded as if, you know, he'd be a viable general election candidate. All right, so I, I don't want to spend too much more time on the the, I, I the debate. Before you do move on past the, the quote-unquote kitty table, uh, I, I would love uh, a second on Santorum, the, the yeah, winner of the Iowa debate. Um, you know, whether, whether or not he speaks to the Democratic Party, I, I do think for the Republican Party, he speaks to blue-collar issues. You know, I actually bumped into him at the airport uh, this summer, and I told him, you know, stay stay with those blue-collar issues. The Republican Party needs someone talking about re- renewing the manufacturing base and about, you know, hardworking blue-collar people because, uh, you know, all, the, the party's been lost to the, to the limousine set. So I do think he has a purpose. We can't count him out because he does fight on the ground, and he did ultimately, after they cheated him, he did win the Iowa caucuses. I don't think he, he has a chance of getting elected president, and he's too divisive. I mean, Eric Beasley, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that he has a small constituency, Rick Santorum? Well, yeah, there's a small amount of crazy people in every single party. I mean, Rick Santorum's solution to everything is basically if we ban gay marriage, then that'll fix the budget, fix overseas terrorism. I mean, that he's he is literally one dimensional. You know, I mean, I I I would I'd become an independent if he was like nominated as our as the Republican, you know, president's candidate. It'd be it'd be terrible. Just like it would be with Lindsey Graham. If Lindsey Graham gets nominated, then I'm going to have to lose 40 pounds and get ready to go to Tehran. So yeah. I'm not I mean, looking forward to either now, one of them. Now, to be, fair, to be fair, you say that, but nothing Rick Santorum is saying is against the party platform. Maybe you don't want him talking about it, but he's saying what the party believes. I mean, he's saying the heart and soul of what the party believes okay. on social issues. Julie, go ahead. Finish your thought. Yeah, he only, only has one aspect of what part of the platform he wants to talk about. And as it's been repeated, it's very one-dimensional. It's heavy on um, what some have called divisive or, you know, wedge issues. Some that, you know, like I said, I don't necessarily you gotta have, you know, you got to be a little more um, broad-based, especially mm-hmm. after the primary. Yeah. Tom, Ryan, let me, add, let me add one thing. This is Tom. Let me add one thing to this. Um, yeah. Rick Sainz Torum in the, in the 20 uh 12 uh, primary earned that victory. He 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 really did. He he went out he there in Iowa and yep. he hit every every county, all 99 counties. If if you all haven't seen the documentary caucus, I I, I would recommend watching that. That guy worked that that caucus better yep. than anyone I've ever ever seen. Um he he just earned it and yeah, and nobody can discount that. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh I also think that Rick Santorum has, I mean, he was the, what, the de facto runner-up in 2012 to Mitt Romney. Uh, He went, I mean, he kind of, he went, what, he won Colorado, Washington. He won 11. Yeah, one of the, yeah, 11 states. And and here he is. He's running again. And I think he also is competing for uh, Mike Huckabee votes. I think he's going to compete with Ted Cruz. I think he's going to have to compete with Scott Walker. And look, he's running. He he claims that he's running as an outsider, 
But I think Rick Santorum <laughs> was part of Washington, was part of the establishment. And look, I know he authored welfare reform. He was part of the Gang of Eight, and he's done some solid things, but I don't think there's going to be any traction, and I don't think he's going to have any money. That's the point. Candidates have to have money to continue this race, and that's one of the main reasons why Rick Perry's out. He didn't have any more money. Well, his pack had money. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Okay, look, so um, Pataki, I mean, do we all agree? Let's let's real quick go down each candidate. Pataki, does he have a shot? Eric? Nope. Okay. Um... Good enough. Let's uh, let's see. Jindel. Can Jindel break out of this pack? Is there any way that he breaks out of this pack, Liz? Nope. Okay, fair enough. And let's see. What about Lindsey Graham? Kim, does your boy Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, the, the southern the southern belle of South Carolina, does he break out of the pack? Um, probably not, no. I'll be honest. Okay. All right. And then we have... Who else was on the stage last? Like I'm, I'm already forgetting who was on the stage because so. Rick, you did talk, oh, Rick, Rick tell you Yeah, Rick Santorum. Selwyn, does Rick Santorum at all have a breakout moment? I, I okay. So like you said, he can. It's possible he can. He can suck. Like he can. He can grab those oh social God. conservatives. He can consolidate them. He he's well known in Iowa. Um, you know, he he hits Iowa, he gets some momentum. Uh, he has no chance of being president, but yeah, he can he can win a primary. It, it, it's a long haul, but he's a he's a long haul soldier. He's already proven that. Wait, so hold on one second, guys. Are you yeah, assuming that there are fifteen names that are going to show up on the Republican primary ballot? Right? I don't I don't think so. I'm I'm just saying. No. So like, it's hard. I mean, none of the four. No offense to any of the four, but if they're not a part of the eleven. Like, how the heck are they going to make that leap from now until the primary season? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. this, is, well, this is this is this is Tom. The, the the one of the four that can is Santorum because he does have a rich sugar daddy in the background in the pack. Is that uh, Sheldon? If he can out, it, it, yeah, if he if he can outlast some of these guys like Huckabee and and some of these other other uh, you, you know like Kasich and 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 Pataki and and. Lindsey Graham, if he can outlast some of those guys, he can pull off another Iowa upset. Yeah. So uh, if, if you're listening now, you're listening to a minor detail brought to you by Change Montgomery County Radio Network. And we are talking about the Republican debate that was held last night on CNN Network at the Reagan Presidential Library out in California. And uh, look, if you want to call in, talk to us, the panel. This is a I'm telling you, this panel is already having a lot of fun, and our phone number here is 646-716-5971. I have with me Eric Beasley, Julie Brewington, Selman Bridgman, Tom Coleman, uh, Kim Mueller, and Liz Matori. And uh, let's jump in right now to the 8 o'clock debate. That was the main spectacle. That was the uh, the big show of the night. And on stage, we had, uh, from left to right, we had Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky, uh, former Woo! governor Mike Huckabee. <laughs> <laughs> we had uh, Marco Rubio. Uh, we had Senator Ted Cruz, uh, Dr. Ben Carson. Uh, we have uh, Donald Trump, uh, Jeb Bush, Governor Scott Walker, Carly Fiorina, uh, John Kasich, and Chris Christie. And their opening statements, it was kind of interesting seeing them all come out and watching them. Uh, <laughs> come on to the stage. I got to tell you, it was it was interesting. I mean, it, uh, and, and I, I'm just 
I, I'm, I, I laugh at this because the optics are like, <laughs> yeah, like none of them probably have any. They don't want to be near each other, and then they they're all thinking, can this just be over? I mean, did you guys think that this debate went in excess, extraordinarily long? Did anybody think that? Oh yeah, absolutely. It was Way too long. long. Donald it's Trump was right. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed okay. it. Well, I, uh, well, I, 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 I like I'm, it. I, I'm a political nerd, so I would. It wouldn't have mattered if it went on exactly. to one in the morning for me. Exactly. I, I mean, as long as they kept asking twenty questions, I, it wouldn't yeah. matter to me. I mean, you know, they they started asking dumb questions there the last. And, and come on, let's be honest. Trump is becoming a secret fantasy man. Like just yeah. waiting, what's he gonna say? Like my gosh, <laughs> this is really happening. It's, yeah, uh, it's entertainment. I think I just patched somebody else in. Did I patch somebody else in? I can't. I don't know. I'm not Is, patched in yet. Huh? I'm not patched in yet. Oh, is this Joe? Oh my God! Is this the Prince of Darkness? <laughs> yeah, Joe I've been Stephen? on hold for like 20 minutes. So I am so. Oh, Joe Stefan, welcome to the show. You are now our. You are now the the extra panelist. So I I encourage you to please stay. Uh, I can stay. How long is the show? Till 10 or 11? Uh, no, not till eleven. It, we have another We're hour. We're now. <laughs> okay, I can stay. Okay, stay. There you go. And if anybody else decides to jump in, and we'll we'll bring him on. This is a lot of fun. So, Rand Paul, he opened it up as he said. They they gave you an opening statement, and you know, look, I think CNN did a good job. Jake Tapper is a pretty fair guy. I think he's I think he's an honest guy. I like him. He he does a decent show. And look. Rand Paul, who's my guy in full disclosure, and I, I think it's a few other people's guy, uh, he said, I'm an eye surgeon from Bowling Green, Kentucky. I spend, my def- I spend my day defending the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, and there's nothing more important than the Constitution. And by the way, I should wish everybody today a very happy Constitution Day. Uh, and then, We're having Constitution Day, you too. What's that? Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, then we have uh, Mike Huckabee who is the former governor of Arkansas, and uh, he said that, uh, I don't know, he, I, I, I'm not really a big fan of Mike Huckabee, i got to tell you. And and does anybody else think that he when he went out to, uh, what is it, Kentucky and, and Rowan County, and he met with uh, Kim Davis, did anybody else think that was pretty hokey? Please, chime in. It was terrible. Like, it was the most, it was the biggest waste of time. He's, you know, Huckabee's just another Rick Santorum, another waste of a podium on the stage, and a time suck to actually talk about real issues instead of these irrelevant fringe issues that don't actually impact what people care about, which is their paychecks. <laughs> I mean, Liz, what did you think about Mike Huckabee? Uh, you know, again, first time ever actually having to pay attention, not having to, but able to pay attention to the other side of the spectrum. Like, it's weird to watch because it's like, I think for us, it's like, that's what Republicans look like to everybody else. Like, that's the kind of sad thing, you know? Like, oh, of course, they're going to run over there and, like, defend, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, on Constitution Day, you're like, wait, hold on. Like, did he not, does he not know what the Constitution stands for? Like, it's just, does he not know about the last, you know, years of constitutional law, it's just like, if you're like, what are you doing? But that's kind of how people perceive Republicans. It's really yeah. hard. Joe Stephan, if you were a Republican running for president, would you have gone to visit Kim Davis in Rowan County, Kentucky? 
No, and if I did, I would not have had every piece of media imaginable there. I swear, I watched the media coverage of that, Ryan, and panel, mm-hmm. and it was like watching an old episode of the TV show Hee Haw. I could not <laughs> believe it. I just could not believe he was there. He made such a big deal out of it. And your previous commentator hit it on the head. Yeah. Unfortunately for Republicans, a lot of non-Republicans view all Republicans as being like Huckabee. They yeah. really do. Yeah. And that's so sad and so scary. Julie Brewington, do you like Mike Huckabee? Are you are are you do you like Mike? I wish Mike Huckabee would just go away. On Fox News, I could not even stand his little show. It was so hokey. Everything he did was extremely scripted. I mean, I don't think the man could speak unless you know, talk about teleprompter guy, but um, very opportunistic um, move there, and he needs to uh, retire himself from from the party. Yeah, yeah, I Ditto. think uh, so. Uh, oh, I got another caller, and this is just this is becoming a hoot nanny. So hold on, let me patch another person in here, and I think we have. On the line, Maryland's third, Maryland's third vice chair of the the Republican Party, Eugene Craig. Eugene Craig, welcome. And we were just getting to hey, your hey, favorite. Hey, hey. We just got to your favorite. <laughs> so, okay, we just got to uh, everybody settle down. We just got to Eugene's favorite <laughs> candidate, Mike Huckabee, and uh, Mike Huckabee. Oh, yeah. Mike Huckabee. Mike Huckabee. Does he look like you, Eugene Craig? Is he a, a stereotypical Republican? Oh, oh man, he's he's stereotypical to the core, man. He's nothing like us. I mean, he's nothing like us. You want to talk yeah. about old guard? You want to talk about, uh, you know, your grandfather's Republican like, Party? Boss, huh? You know, this is that's my cuck. That's my cuck up before you. Yeah, so, I, uh, I I can't I, I I can't I can't I I'm not I'm not voting for her to be I I just I can't listen the man the man grew up working class he represents again this this Rick Santorum this if Republicans are, are ever going to be a national party again they have got to reach out to the to, to working class normal blue collar folks Mike Huckabee yeah. has that story. Uh, and he has a he has a really legitimate record in uh, Arkansas as well. And he well, wasn't out there at Kim Davis by himself. He was out mm-hmm. there representing and speaking for all of those Christians, some of whom are black on my Facebook page, who really okay. think that, you know, believe in what Kim Davis stands for. I don't personally, but there is a constituency there. Okay. Legitimate record in, in, in Arkansas, you obviously didn't drive across there after he was governor. I, I, they they did nothing with the roads. They raised taxes uh, forty some times. I don't know exact number, forty seven or something times in his in his tenure. Um, a lot of people can say that it was put off on Bill Clinton, but uh, his uh, his tenure as governor down there wasn't wasn't very spectacular as a, uh, a conservative sense. So I got to move on to Marco Rubio from uh, who is just beloved right now by Florida State, um, and. Uh, what do you guys think about Marco? Is, is he a is he a real contender? I mean, is is he, is he an outsider running and and does he have a shot? What do you what do you think, Kim Mueller? Um, actually, I mean, I kind of liked Rubio last night. Um, I don't know that he has a shot, but I think he proved himself last night more so than he has before. Yeah, yeah, he did good in the first debate. Do you guys remember that? Yeah, I think he I think he did well. Oh too. yeah. Um. Okay, so we'll get to each of the individual questions. So let's move on. Um, so we have... Hold on. Before we go there, I think Rubio actually hey, 
should have uh, hi it's Liz again. Um, yeah, hey. <laughs> he should have been the Repub- like the Republican vice presidential nominee four years ago. Like yes. that's really. I mean, yes. that's, that, that was a big misstep. I remember, you know, actually, yeah. I was at the DNC convention. You know, I was, like, full-on Democrat. So, wow. you know, I was at the convention, and I was, like, watching the announcement of uh, Paul Ryan, and I'm like, you guys missed a huge opportunity to yep. win. You know? Okay. It's like, that was a missed opportunity, and, I, I you know, and maybe it was a missed opportunity for him in, in his career, but it was definitely a missed opportunity for the Republican Party. Uh, what about, I mean, does hey, anybody Ryan, think that... Can I jump on yeah. there for a second? Yeah, go ahead. You know, you know, I may be the only person here. Marco's actually my number two. This is you know, Eugene my, Craig, my by the way. Two, Eugene. My, my number two dropped out, Rick Perry, and my number three was Marco Rubio, which now makes Marco my number two. I think there are only two people on this field out of the, you know, 200 and, you know, five whatever that are running that, that have a legitimate shot at winning the presidency on our side. I think it's Rand Paul and Marco Rubio. Um, You know, and I think they both can do something that needs to be done in order to win, and that's build an Obama-like coalition. Um, I think, you know, presidential politics has changed over the last 10 years. Um, It's not just – it's not a matter of appealing to a base. It's a matter of actually building a coalition and and winning in in diverse – and and cross sectors. Um, And I think Marco Rubio is one of those people that can do that. Okay. Uh, Anybody else on – before we move on about Rubio? Hey, Ryan, it's Eric. Um, I'm just glad that yeah, Marco Rubio was, was hydrated this time. Yeah, he made a, <laughs> oh, yeah, he made that, a bad that, joke. That, Did anybody? That joke was terrible. Oh, God. It, <laughs> it was embarrassing. Julie, I if you at... listen to the pundits, um, the politicos, Marco Rubio has shot himself in the foot with the whole amnesty thing. If you believe no, that or not. There you go. Agreed. I mean, that, that... Okay. All right, let's move on to um, the Steve Harvey personator, Dr. Ben Carson, who was there last night. And <laughs> did anybody think? Look, I don't mean to I don't mean to pick on the aesthetics of Dr. Carson because I really I think he's an interesting and unique guy. But Joe Stefan, you've been around politics for a long, long time in Maryland. Would you Way have advised? Yeah, would you advise Ben Carson to wear that suit? No. In fact, <laughs> a, a very good friend of mine said to me today. Carson needed a stylist. That was her only comment regarding Ben Carson. Yeah. Wait, what was wrong with his suit? I didn't, I didn't notice. Yeah, I'm, I'm with her. I didn't pay any attention to his suit. Okay, well. well it. it was bad. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, it, it was just not a good and, suit. And by the way, and I'm just saying, you don't understand. Steve Harvey's suit, like, you, that he is like, he is the equivalent of Donald Trump's. Actually, his, his line is way more successful, way, way more successful. Than yeah. uh, Donald Trump, I'm just saying. Well, we'll, we'll get we're not to getting into me like he, he looked to Go me ahead, like Tom. he took an ambient. I mean, he was. <laughs> he, he just looked. I'm seriously. Every time he had to talk, he, he looked like he was. You know, either had one too many martinis beforehand, or <laughs> popped an ambient or something. I mean, he just looked really tired. All right. Well, uh, I met him at the Baltimore County Luncheon Day two or three years ago. He was the exact same way then. Every time you would talk, it was like, dude, show some life. Show something, some spark. And I I think the same thing happened last night with him. So, okay, so here's what I I, want to ask. Let's move on. So uh, I don't want to even mention this name, but I have to. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to do it. He's a really, really good candidate. 
So really? we had the we had the guy who was I think the main uh the main spectacle of the of the night. He who wrote the art of the deal. He's made billions and billions of dollars because he's super super great at everything. And uh so And he wants we to had bang to, his daughter. He, he does. <laughs> he wants to Yeah he wants, he wants to bang his daughter. It's gross, man. It's all so all right. gross. <laughs> Enough. It's out there now, Ryan. You got it out there. All right, so we'll we'll come back to the Donald. Uh, Jeb Bush, who former governor of Florida. Did anybody just think it's like, come on, like this is so ten years ago? Come on, his last name is Bush. For God's sakes, enough. There's another Bush one that needs to go away. Yeah, I'm part of the the monarchy in our country actually, that has been in, in the executive branch since 1980. Yeah, what about you, Salman? Is does does Jeb Bush? I mean, is this somebody that is inspiring, that is going to be able to to, to draw the troops behind him and, and win the Republican nomination and then go on to win the presidency? No. Can everyone, can everyone hear me clearly? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and handicap this thing for you, and I want everyone to remember this moment. The ticket will be Jeb Kasich. Why? Because no Republican gets to the White House without Ohio, and Kasich wow. has high approval there in a record, and Kasich was a chairman of the Budget Committee for years. He knows budgets in Washington. Jeb, because he's got the money to go the distance, he's got the name ID. The problem, okay. the problem, they're not going to win the general because he reminds us too much of Bush. You can't escape it. It's his gesticulations. It's the way he talks. He has to defend Bush's record. But guaranteed, Bush, Kasich, that's your ticket. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's we'll, we'll come back and uh, how about Walker? Did you guys see him? Was he even there? That's what I asked this morning. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. No one's going to jump in here one more time quickly on Walker. To me, okay. Walker is the equivalent. Walker is the equivalent. <laughs> Walker is the Martin O'Malley of the Republican Party. What do I mean? Hey, hold on, hold oh. on. Oh, okay. <laughs> Burn. Whoa there, whoa there. Obviously, not philosophically, here's the point. Both of them walked the line of their party. Martin O'Malley was as liberal as Democrats wanted him to be, and Walker, he, he took the fight to where his people wanted him to take it. Both of them have earned a great VP nod. They really have. I, I don't agree with either of them, but both of them have walked the line and have earned a VP nod. Do you think Walker has the money to to, to remain relevant? I know. Nope. I think Wisconsin's a purple state. Well, I think, I think Walker's, Walker's, Walker's going to pull out. I mean, he, he canceled his California speech to the Republican Party out there. Um, that was, well, do you think that, that was, was because of money? The Koch brothers. Why, 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 why are you canceling that speech if you're going to cancel anything? I mean, that, you know how many millions of dollars he can raise in California. Yeah. That that was that was just ridiculous if he pull to pull out of that. So I think there's a there's he's putting all his cards in Iowa, I believe, and, yeah. and I'm a, I think he's going to see that. Well, let's go uh, to the breakout. He, he doesn't have a shot. Okay. Well, let's go to let's let's keep on going with the with the candidates. We're still in the uh, the opening. Opening statement. So, uh, Carly Fiorina, former CEO of Hewlett Packard, uh, Julie Brewington. I'm going to throw it to you because uh, you have had some interesting commentary about Carly. Yeah, I like Carly. I um, think that she presents herself well in the sense that she's, you know, very articulate and strong. But yeah. she looks like her face is going to break if she <laughs> cracks a smile. 
and she was very. <laughs> I think they called her a school marm. So she's just so stiff, and you know, I I, I said this before, and I'm going to cross over to another issue, but and I, I think the reason Donald Trump is doing so well in the polls, despite what anybody thinks about him, is that we have a. Um, we have a syndrome, a beta male syndrome in this country. And, you know, Donald yeah. Trump, whatever else he is, he's an alpha man. And I just just don't think that Carly or Hillary um, have that beta aspect that I think people are, are hungry for. Okay. Uh, uh, and then and so can I, can I try them for a minute? Yeah, Liz? go ahead, Liz. Right. So I already tweeted that, like, I was just so proud of the fellow Turk, Carly. Um, very, very proud of her last yeah. night. I don't support her on... Uh, you know, especially the um, the women's access to abortion stuff like that was kind of awkward. I don't I don't support on that. However, you know, when it comes to being a candidate and a woman candidate, as you all know, like I mean, we could discuss everybody else's appearance and everybody else's lack of ability of of smiling, but women are always criticized, especially women who are in power about. You know, why don't you smile more? Why don't you, you know, laugh more? But to get to the point of being CEO or getting to the point of being a presidential nominee or even, you know, mayor of Baltimore, you know, you have to be hella tough and and act like it. So um, it's still a man's world. It still is a man. You're talking about CEO of a fortune, I don't know, however number, company, and and, and a presidential nominee. I I mean, I'm sorry, sorry, I just... Sorry, presidential candidate. Well, there you um, go. A little, you know, yes, yeah, I'm foretelling, right? <laughs> yeah, that's good. But, uh, okay, yeah, I want to move on to, uh, and thank you for that, Liz. I pre- I appreciate it. that's that's some very keen insight. Uh, Kim Kim Mueller, uh, you saw John Kasich this past weekend in New Hampshire, and we've met him before, and and uh, back in June. At, uh, at way up near where Dartmouth College is, and Kim, what do you think about Kasich on on the debate stage and, and in general? Um, I like him, I, and I like the fact that he doesn't get into the whole arguing with Trump thing. He tries to stick to the issue and what is trying to be discussed at the time. Um, I don't know that he can go the distance. That's just my opinion. Um, but I, I do, I do like him. I think he has great ideas. Um, maybe as a VP. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think that uh, that being in Ohio, Kim, that uh, he would be a potential, like you just said, a potential BP candidate? Because, look, we need Ohio to win the presidency, and historically, if we lose Ohio, then the Republicans will lose the presidency. Right. Oh, no, yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. He could definitely okay. help out in Ohio. And then finally, there was Chris Christie. Tom Coleman, what's your thoughts about Chris Christie? Actually, he, he, he kind of looked uh, the, one of the most presidential of any of them last night. I, I'm not a Christie fan at all. Um, I've seen how he ran New Jersey, but um, he's the one that kind of wanted to bring it back, you know, bring the bring the debate back to the issues instead of just dealing with Trump. So uh, oh, I think great. he did an okay job last night. Yeah. Okay. So let's go into the questions. And look, I want to go to Eugene Craig. Uh, Eugene, you were watching the debate, and you were. Watching in angst, and uh, look, the first like four questions were about Donald Trump, and I feel like the debate moderators baited these people into getting into arguments with the other candidates, and I just kind of felt like there was not a whole lot of substance out of the bat. 
And look, Carly Fiorina said that look, she said I think Mr. Trump is a wonderful entertainer, character, capability, and judgment. And then uh, she said she looks forward to a long race. And then they kept asking if they would feel comfortable with troop with Trump's finger on the nuclear button. And like none of the candidates would actually say it. And then. And then he attacked like uh, off the bat. If you guys remember, he he looked over and yeah. he looks at Rand, he looks at Rand Paul and he said, "You know, I don't even think Rand Paul should be here because he has one percent." And yeah, so and and then Rand Paul. I mean, I I love Rand Paul. I love I love what he stands for. I love his ideas. I love his policies. I love but, his vocabulary. Yeah, it's great. I mean, he, he, he actually says the word constitution. But look, Joe Stefan, you are no fan of Trump. What do you think about when he looked at uh, he looked at um, Rand Paul and he said, first of all, Rand Paul shouldn't be on this stage. He shouldn't be on this stage at all. I think – and then he said – and then Trump went on to say, I have a great temperament. I'm a businessman. We owe $19 trillion right now. My temperament is very good and very calm. We will be, we will be respected. If I had been Rand Paul – he had told me I had no business being there. We had probably been duking it out behind his podium because Absolutely. the guy, Donald Trump, had no business saying that. He is not the moderator. He did, he's not CNN. He is one of however many, 15 participants invited. He had yeah. no business saying that. That was just his way of trying to set the stage. But if I'm Rand, I thought Rand Paul kind of wussed out, to be honest on that. I'm not yeah. saying he literally should have gone and duped Trump, but he should have just gotten right back into it with him on that. And then for no, Trump to dare, to dare talk about his temperament being good, gives me a break. You've made your entire career out of being, this is like, I can say what I want on the show, right? Yeah, you made your <laughs> entire career out of being a mega asshole. Don't yeah. try to tell us now how good your temperament is. Everybody. Everybody knows you're full of shit on that. Everybody yeah. does. Yeah. So yeah, it, and then it, he, it just kind of blew me away. I think you're right. Eric Beasley, and then he looks over, and then they they sort of have this back-and-forth exchange, and then Rand Paul says, you know, are we not above junior high? And then he looks at Rand Paul, and he says, I never attack on looks, but believe me, there's plenty of subject oh, matter right there. What oh, was that? Yeah, that's, that's, that's like let, me, let me tell you something. Wait, I was wait, are, you going to use, are, are, are you going to use Trump's voice every single time? You no. Know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Right, it's I, Ryan like, can't help himself. <laughs> I, I really, I, it's so great. And uh, Eric Beasley, <laughs> what, what is this? Is, this panel is crazy. I love it. Uh, so, uh, Eric, what was that? What was the yeah. exchange? You know, what do you think about that? Well, look. so honestly, I think I'm a little biased. Obviously, I'm a Rand bot myself, so I think it yeah, was yeah. just that. Uh, honestly, I think Rand Paul is going to win, and so of course, you always yeah. try to attack the big dog. Um, you know, I think Do- Donald Trump is a is a showman. He's a you know he he acts like a you know when I was watching this whole thing, all I could think of was I was just waiting for like the Undertaker to come in with the steel chair and like hit somebody over the head. Okay? It was like this was straight like King of the Ring. Okay, yeah. this was this was this was horrendous, and that's how Trump acts. He doesn't actually hit people with folding chairs, but he basically does it with his voice, with what he says. Yeah. So that's what he did to Rand Paul, and I think that Rand Paul not taking the bait and basically just kind of, you know, whatever, be the little high school bully that you are. I'm just going to sit here and, you know, talk about, like, 
the Constitution, and when there's a question on the floor about what does the Constitution say, they come and ask me. Um, I think that that's, that was the best way to respond to it, and I think that, you know, Rand Paul handled himself great. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm with, I'm with uh, you know, Prince of Darkness over here. If I'd been up there, I probably would have punched the guy. Yeah, it's been, it would have been hard. And uh, Julie Brewington, do you do you like Rand Paul's hair? Are you a fan? Are you asking me? Yeah, do I like Julie. His, do I like Rand Paul's hair? Do you like it? Would you would you like it, touch it, it? It's it's a little wild, yeah. You know. Okay. All right. I just and want so, to say I I have not been this entertained by politics in a very long time, and that is all that's important to me at the moment. So yeah. what I, what I do think. <laughs> Uh, what I do think Trump is providing is um, a, some very um, untraditional form of heat uh, to these other candidates that do allow them to reveal themselves a little bit more. Um, yeah. Because things are, you know, he's hitting things, he's unpredictable and he'll just say the most bizarre things that would want to make you punch somebody in the face. So yeah. um, I think it's it is it is helpful um, to to allow them to to see how they react to those situations. I think it's great. So Liz Liz Matori, you're running as an independent and uh, we're exploring a bid, right? Is that correct? No, I, no, I'm I'm in the process of collecting the requisite one percent of the signatures needed to be placed on the general ballot. Okay, and as an independent, yeah. and and you're you're in Maryland's eighth congressional district, and that's. That's a whole other show, but nonetheless, do you do you do you think that do you think that Donald Trump could appeal to independents? Uh, funnily that you mention it because you know there are several people who, if we had the ability to have independent candidates as presidential candidates, um, they all could potentially represent. I think Rand Paul could be a really formidable independent candidate. Um, you know, Trump, fine. But, like, that's the cool thing about being an independent. Like, you can really, like, state your case, not be, you know, um, pinned down to a party and the party platform and, you know, be defined by Mike Huckabee, if you will. Um, <laughs> but you can really, like, you know, state your case and go straight to the voter. Um, yeah. So... So I think that a lot right. of people could have done it. Yeah, I mean, right. shoot, and then on, on on the left side, you know, Bernie Sanders is an actual freaking independent, and the only reason why he's running in the Democratic Party is because you have to. And I mean, if you really like, kind of like, you know, it's a really interesting like, you know, the moment that you think about, you know, the two party system, you know, it's just it, it's. I I mean, I could talk for an hour about it, but yeah, no, I, I and I and I appreciate that, but <laughs> I I, I want to go to. Scott Walker and Scott Walker took on Trump a little bit in that opening exchange. Tom Coleman, do you, do you think Walker gave it to Trump at all? Do you think that he struck back? I don't think Walker did too much of anything. I mean, it, it, there was a little bit of, of, of uh, opening salvo there early on, but I, yeah. I think he was sharing the martinis with Dr. Carson. I mean, <laughs> seriously, they, they, he 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 didn't. He, he didn't do anything for me, and if I was uh, undecided, I, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't lean toward Walker. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Kim, when when you heard Donald Trump as you were sitting next to me last night, and you heard Donald Trump say, "I did very, I did a very, very good job." When folks of Iowa 
I'm 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 up in the polls, and yeah, he just kept talking about his poll numbers. And what do you think? Wow. He, what do you think about his poll numbers, Kim? I mean, is he? Do you think that the polls are really serious reflections of what people are thinking at the current time? I think it's pretty scary, quite honestly. Um, I don't think there's a lot behind him. There's nothing but fluff, and I think he appeals to um, people who are really upset and angry but are not very educated on a lot of different things, and the fact that he's so far ahead, even though it's early, is a little disturbing to me. Yeah, okay. Uh, Selwyn, uh, let's move on to... John Casey. Well, well, that, 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 that was a great question about Trump in the poll. Yeah, go ahead. I, uh, the media and people seem like they don't understand why he's doing so well. And to me, it seems really, really simple and really obvious. I, I have a lot of white friends. I have a lot of black friends it, 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 that love Trump. It's that he has the guts. I mean, look at what this man did. He told an entire room full of Republicans, no, I'm not going to support your nominee unless you treat me right, and I'm using it as leverage. He told us, and then he used it weeks later as leverage to get the party to agree that if he's the nominee, everyone's on board. He's showing up. Now, I'm not a fan, but the man is, you know, I think people are so sick of politics, and he has guts. He has courage. He told Lindsey Graham off in South Carolina. He told I think people, it, it does go to that alpha male comment that I think Liz made uh, or someone made, uh, but I really think that he definitely doesn't have the substance, but I think people love watching him have the guts to take on anybody. Of course that's what you want in a president. But that came up a little bit later in the debate, this notion of, you know, an outsider and how outsiders um, are really what people want now. Um, and I think that, like, that's now benefiting both, the, you know, the people who flanked um, Trump. Like, if, you, if you're if you angry and you want something different but you don't want crazy, then go the other direction. Like, you know, like, you're like, you're like we've got you here now. Widen your gaze a little. And you have a couple of other options that are, also outsiders as well. We're we're missing there's a there's another candidate that I think is running in uh in the race that I forgot to mention and uh I think has anybody heard about this candidate D's nuts? D's nuts <laughs> I just had to bring He's it up. He's a panelist tonight, right? Yeah. D's nuts. Who's D's nuts? Is that you Eugene Craig, I got to bring you in. Um, so, what do you think about John Kasich? <laughs> John Kasich. I, I think Kasich um, is going to bring an interesting discussion to the fold. Um, he's somebody that is openly not anti-gay marriage. Um, he's somebody that has uh, actually created jobs within their state. He's somebody that has had to actually deal with the other side of the aisle, and Ohio being probably the only pure purple state in our union. Um, so I think he's going to bring an interest, as this as this race marathon unfolds, I think he's going to bring an interesting perspective. One thing I would like to see him weigh in, being that it's going to be on the ballot in November 2016, um, you know, how he's going to weigh in on marijuana legalization within the state yeah. of Ohio. And if, if, and if you know, truly if uh, the country follows Ohio, if it's something that should be for the rest of the country. Um, I, want to go, I do think that's probably going to be a determining factor in who wins Ohio in 2016. Well, I, and that's an issue that I think is really important. It's important to me personally, and I just want to go down just a, a, a short answer. Uh, how do we? How do each of us feel about the legalization of marijuana? Eric Beasley. 
Treat it just like cigarettes and alcohol. Okay. Julie Brewington. I'm not for it. You're not for legalization. Okay. Uh, no, Donnie I'm Bridget- all, I'm, I am all for it. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. You are for the legalization. Selwyn, what about you? Are you for or against the legalization? Legalization. Decriminalization. Okay. And then we okay. need to go and look at the folks who are locked up now that and, and see what can be overturned for nonviolence. We need to bring justice back to the justice system. We need criminal justice reform because ever since these laws in the 80s, we've skyrocketed the incarceration rate. Yeah. Okay. Tom Coleman. I'm for legalization of every drug. It, oh, okay. uh, it shouldn't. Oh. It, you shouldn't. You shouldn't regulate what goes in in somebody else's body. I, you know, I, I don't care what you put in your body. Yeah, Kim. Kim Mueller, do you uh, do you have a pipe in the in the corner that I don't know about in our house? <laughs> <laughs> Is there something in the drawer? Um, no. Um, legalize <laughs> it and decriminalize it. It's ridiculous. Okay, Liz Matori, what what say you about drug legalization, marijuana specifically? Uh, well, uh, marijuana, I think, is a little different from the rest of the drugs. Um, I, I'm one of the people who believe that, you know, cannabis itself was like, you know, as a plant is a lot more useful than all the other ones that we are, you know, promoting, like paper and all that stuff. Like, I'm coming from, you know, that hippie perspective. Yeah. But, um, you know, clothing, all that. But, you know, the interesting thing that's happened in the places that it has been legalized, like Colorado and Washington, two things. One, you know, the fact that you're legal there, but you're not legal in anywhere else, that's, that's very random, you know. And two, when it, came, when it comes to the, um, you know, capitalization uh, and, the you know, the commercialization of um, the substance, the people who have actually lost out on the economic uh, benefit are um, urban blacks, and the ones who have benefited are suburban whites. Okay. Uh, so it's interesting to see that, you know, yeah, if it's legalized, yeah, it's a great tax revenue. Um, but also, you know, and, and of course, um, I listened to the um, conversation about, um, you know, the addiction issue. Addiction's a whole other situation. Um, you know, addic- you can get addicted to alcohol, you can get addicted to marijuana, you can get addicted to heroin, um, sure. but that shouldn't have an effect on um, on the legalization, but it, we do need to not only, of course, with the criminal justice system, I, I identify, um, you know, solutions for our mental health issues. Yeah, that's, I appreciate that insight, that's powerful. Hey, Ron, uh, just, hold on one second. Ron, let me, let me, let me add uh, one thing, <laughs> if you don't okay. mind, it'd be real quick. I smoke cigarettes, all right? And right yeah. now I have I have I have some lung issues going on. I know. That is yeah, nobody that. else's that is nobody else's is business. Nobody else forced a cigarette down my mouth. Right. Um nobody else sends me up to shell to buy them. How can you compare them to to regulate them like uh drugs like cigarettes? Yeah. Alcohol. It it doesn't it doesn't matter. I did it to myself, just like the druggie or the heroin addict up on the corner. Okay. Well, All right. Because uh, this, the, no, it's because the, the cigarette um, industry and you know the alcohol industry have very powerful lobbyists. But also, the people say they live 13? in California. Um. Well, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but I, mean, I know what it is. But I don't know what it has, has to do with cigarettes. Right. But, um, well, no, the uh, drug but, industry. Oh, I mean. But I mean that 
Well, let's not even let's get back on track here. <laughs> I want to get back on track, Joe. Joe Stefan, uh, what do you, what do you, you've been you've been around <clears throat> politics for a long time. This debate has been in the uh, the, the the stratosphere for a long time. And what what say you about this legalization? I'm with Tom Coleman. I think you should legalize all of it, every drug. Okay. And okay. marijuana in particular, but every because like Coleman just said, he smokes. I smoke. I have high blood pressure. I've had two strokes. Why? When I was a kid, I took speed like it was candy. So I helped do that to myself, but it's my fault. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry, Mom. Confession. <laughs> this is taxi. This is yeah. a taxi cab confession. By the way, this In is fact, a... In fact, I think uh, you used to have a candy nickname for it at one point. I don't really ooh. remember that. The, the, but, uh, um, the yeah, I, I think everything should be legal. It should be no one's business other than the person who wants to put it into their body. Yeah, so Chris Christie doesn't agree with that idea, uh, Eugene Craig. And and sometimes you see <laughs> these interesting exchanges between Rand Paul and Chris Christie, and even the exchange last night between Rand Paul, Jeb Bush, and Chris Christie. And I saw that you recently posted a link about that, and, he's, and Rand Paul looked at it at Jeb Bush and say, you know, look, fortunate people like you don't go to jail, but inner city kids that get caught oh. with a dime bag. So what do you think let me, about Let that? me tell you something. Let, let me tell you something. You know, if I can link this to something I said earlier, um, you know, about Ronald Reagan and the legacy of Ronald Reagan, I think he was an amazing president. But Ronald Reagan wasn't all things to all people, especially when it comes to the war on drugs. The issues mm-hmm. that we're having with the war on drugs today are the result of the Reagan administration and Nixon administration. Um, you look at Iran-Contra, the folks that ran drugs that, that ran drugs, and the folks that <laughs> sold arms to Iran all got pardoned. But here we today, today we still have drug dealers that are that are sitting, drug dealers and drug users that are sitting that are sitting and have that sitting and have life sentences that have 20 year sentences, have 30 year sentences for drug use and drug abuse. I think marijuana should be legalized. I think most drugs should be legalized. But more importantly, I think after we move to legalization, I think everybody that was that 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 was given a, a a sentence that you know that violated their right their Eighth Amendment rights, um, you know their cruel and unusual punishment rights. I think they should come back and get a commuting sentence or a presidential pardon. Yeah, well, you know, look, I know that today. I know that you know, of course, some people have met Ronald Reagan as a kid, and they have a a different perspective on. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I'm just saying anybody under the age of thirty, thirty five have no emotional connection to him. Yeah, yeah except I, for I, Jason Delizio. Especially especially if you're black or Latino and you you know, and your family grew up in the hood at that time. I'm sorry. Hey hey Ron, just to put this in perspective. I was yeah. born in the sixth year of Ronald Reagan's presidency. Okay. okay think was, about that for a minute. Yeah. That's I was born in eighty five. Um so I'm let's a nineties baby. So let's talk about um, – let's move on, and let's talk a little bit about foreign policy. And I want to go to you, Jolie. Uh, is there any candidate in this race on the debate stage from last night – was there any candidate who stood out strong on foreign policy for you? Oh, good Lord, Ryan. Our foreign policy is so messed up and so confusing, and none of those people know anything about it until they get in there, I don't think. Um, I know, you know, that Rand Paul is, is um, his foreign policy is a big uh, attraction for you. Uh, I vacillate 
because, you know, I know that ISIS is a, all of that is, is uh, you know, it, there is a terrifying factor to what, what's happening in, in terms of the quote-unquote, I hate even using the word terrorism. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, there there is a, certainly a huge case to be made about how much and how many lives that we have lost and how many stations we have in the world. And frankly, personally, I have not come to uh, a conclusion about what I think this country's best stance on foreign policy should be. I am torn. Um, sometimes I think we should just take all of our military and line them up on the borders. Um, but so I, I don't know the answer to so, your question. I'm, I, I am not sure. Well, well I appreciate uh, that. Well, Ryan, can I chime in for a minute? You know, yeah, that's ahead. kind of like a like a huge trick question. Um, it's like, you know, like I'm going to law school, so it's like you get a question and there's no answer at all, and you're like, you know, hitting your head over the, you know, whatever, the desk. I would have your question, Ryan. Um, what? No, 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 no. I'm, t- I'm talking about the question posed to, you know, presidential hopefuls in reference yeah. to foreign policy because, you know, that's what happens when you're the one superpower left. You know, this is a lot of, you know, when people are hinted at it for the last several years, you know, with the fall of communism, that's one huge epic, you know, um, moment in history. And then on top of that, you know, um, the Middle East, you know, like people forget that the nation state is a is a 20th century um, invention by the West. You know, so you're talking about a lot of this region, particularly in the Middle East, are never, they didn't identify as countries in the first place. They identify as culture. You know, yeah. when you have Shia and Sunni and, and Kurd, these, these identifications lasted way longer than being an Iranian or being, you know, um, an Iraqi. So there's that plus the fact that we have, you know, unfortunately I'm not going to ever say we need to keep despots, but when you get rid of that, when you pull the, the, the Band-Aid off, you have this extreme amount of now hemorrhaging so, of um, what happened to society. Yeah. So, they, they, so, so what do you do with it? That's what's right, saying. yeah. So <laughs> and I want to go back to I want to go back to the candidates. Do you, does anybody on the panel, you know, there were some questions last night about what they would do to get the Russians out of Syria, and uh, Trump said that they have to respect you. Syria is a mess. Uh, why are we fighting in Syria? And then Rubio said he wants uh, he they're they're trying to destroy NATO and America. He, something something. Carly said she wouldn't talk to Putin. Uh, Cruz said the single biggest national security threat right now is the threat of a nuclear Iran. Kasich said it's a bad bad agreement in reference to the Iran deal. Paul said uh, he's not going to vote for it, but. I think Paul distinguished himself on his foreign policy um, as he usually does, and I think he's an outlier within the Republican Party, and I I tend to agree with him. But he said we need to leave open lines of communication. Uh, We need to be engaged and talk. Walker said that uh, when it comes to China, uh, something – and then he made a quip at President Obama saying this is the president who called ISIS the JV squad. Uh, He'd love to play cards with this guy, Obama folds. Bush said we need to be strong against China. Huckabee said he was hungry. Uh, and then Trump said there was a refugee crisis. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, this, yeah. Uh, so these candidates had um, some 
pretty much the same position. But look, let's talk about George or Jeb Bush, and I'm, I, I keep using George Bush in his place. But I, do, does anybody think that his foreign policy be, would be remarkably similar to his brother's? Mm-hmm. Joe, what do you think? I do. I actually do. And I did yeah. want to point out that you forgot to mention that Scott Walker wanted to cancel a dinner with China. That's right. Which was yeah. an ultimate insult. Because I'm like, okay, and? And you all want to know why Scott Walker's going nowhere? Seriously. But yeah. as far as the, the boy, Jeb and his brother, oh, yeah, I think it would be very similar to George. Which And wasn't George similar to his father, the first George? Yeah, yeah I mean, he kind of didn't no. even want to finish the dog. It's the, the whole neocon thing. It's the, yeah. it's the whole neocon thing. And that's why, if I may throw a Rand Paul plug, because I'm backing Rand Paul too, full disclosure, yeah. that is why Rand Paul used the term outlier. He absolutely is. Within 20 years, what he's saying right now is going to be generally accepted as gospel by the Republican Party on the yeah. policy. Do, well, we it all... really will. It, it really, really will happen. He's just about 20 years ahead of the curb, and that's normal for yeah. any sudden political change. And in um, 2008 and even 2012, I could not even imagine Rand Paul up on that stage. Look at him now. And that's only yeah. four to eight years. Yeah, so I'm it's going you. to come, but Jeb uh, and his brother George, they're yeah, I see almost the exact same thing. Uh-huh. Almost uh, okay. the exact same type of foreign policy. Tom Coleman, do you think that the Iran deal is a bad deal? I think it's a bad deal, but I, I think I'm, I agree with with Rand. You, you have to leave leave the communication line open. Um, but but it all boils down to to we're just too involved. I mean, we have 900 military bases or over 900 military bases in over 127, 67 countries or whatever the number is. Uh, we're spending billions and billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars, on uh, people that really just don't like us, yeah. <laughs> and and you know we're we're all we're all using as uh, as a form of national defense. Oh, we got to do it to save our country. Um, <laughs> you know, Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan. I don't think any of them even have a bomb to to, to hit Saudi Arabia. I mean, you know, let alone the United States of America. I mean, yeah, we can all talk dirty bombs, but. Uh, you know, some crazy lunatic down the street could, could create a, a, a well, crazy or a, yeah. you know, a bomb like yes, that. So you know, we're we're just spending way too much money on this and and too much capital, too many lives lost. We need to bring our guys home and and let the world you know sort their own problems. I, I want to go to. But what uh, about the military industrial complex? Who's going to keep yeah. that going? <laughs> yeah, right. <Joe. laughs> I uh, I want to switch topics here and. I want to go to Kim Mueller right now, and uh, so uh, I want to let's talk about uh, the response about Kim Davis. And by the way, if anybody has the radio up or their sound up, if you guys can turn that down, I'm getting a little feedback. Um, so, look, Kim Davis. We talked a little bit about that, and and look, some Huckabee said uh, he said something, blah blah blah. Oh, and uh, we already talked about Kim Davis. I'm sorry. You know the conversation they had last night about John Roberts? I thought that that was sort of a slight against John Roberts. I mean, come on. The guy's a sitting Supreme Court justice, and Ted Cruz says, well, I don't think I would have nominated him. And Bush and Cruz had this sort of back-and-forth exchange. So, Liz, do you think John Roberts was a good choice for the United States Supreme Court? 
he's hopefully a future constituent of mine, so I think he's a wonderful, you know, um, uh, Supreme Court justice. Um, you know, funny thing is, um, he was um, he was raised um, when I was in law school, actually, um, and so when we were in law school, it was a whole other time, you know. Um, the Bush administration, like, we, we actually thought that, oh, my gosh, he's putting a, a, a really big conservative um, on the bench. And I, and I think we actually did refer to, you know, in class, like, you know, he doesn't have a lot of, you know, history. But, you know, he he didn't come from any, like, he didn't come from out of the blue. Like, he actually was very supported by the establishment, very supported by the Republicans um, that were in place. And now what we're seeing is, yeah, that's what happens when you are responsible for protecting the future of our country as a, you know, a sitting, you know, Supreme Court justice for life. That's what it looks like. You know, I mean, uh, you evaluate cases every single time it comes, you know, you and those, you know, nine people, that's what you have. You know, so, um, um, can you hear me? Yeah, no, I wanted to... I, and I appreciate that. And I want to go to you, Kim Mueller. Would you be comfortable with Donald Trump nominating Supreme Court justices? No, not at all. Yeah, I'm not comfortable I mean, with him really doing anything. It's sort of scary, didn't isn't say, it? Didn't didn't he say today, or was it today or last week, that his sister would make a great Supreme Court justice or something? <laughs> no, his daughter. Like I think that, it was yeah. his daughter. His daughter. He yeah. moved into his daughter now. Hey, hey, Ryan, if I if I could uh, just give yeah, a... Yeah, show it. Please jump in. On foreign policy, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to probably side personally uh, more with the Rand Paul crowd on the foreign policy. But the reality is that's not where your party is. These guys aren't picking this stuff out of thin air. They're speaking yeah. for a constituency. So I, I do think that all in all, whoever you get on the Republican side, they're going to be more uh, hawkish than America's ready for. And, and this will be the one plug I do for Hillary. I think America is right where Hillary Clinton is on foreign policy. We're tougher than Barack Obama's foreign policy, but we don't want to go off making war with everybody under the sun. So I do think Hillary's hitting the hammer exactly where it needs to be on America's presence in the world. And, uh, and I think too many of the Republican uh, uh, candidates are talking tough because so many in their party, so many in their party want to yeah. be tough. So that's the problem. It's not the candidates. They're reflecting the value of folks, uh, of, you know, of their folks. And, and I would argue with that statement in, in reference to Clinton, you know, Clinton is considered one of our hawks. So mm-hmm. it's kind of weird to, to, for you to say that because for the average Democrat or the progressive Democrats, if they were really honest with themselves, they'd be like, wait, Hillary is a little too far right for us. But they won't ever say that. But when it comes to foreign policy, she's a hawk. Well, yeah, fortunately, right. she's not president of the Democrats' party. She's president of America, and and you know she's hawkish enough when we've got a war against against radical Islam that wants to you know there's a war. And, no, and many I mean, that, Amer- that, that, no, that's great. That's great. But she has to get through the primary, and like that's why you see Bernie Sanders. I know that we're talking about the Republican Party, but like that's mm. why Bernie Sanders is re- resonating with people who are the primary voters because they see that in in Hillary. Well, I want to go down the line. Let me me jump in here real quick. Um, Sure, thank you. $18 trillion. He's pretty much promised everybody when he was elected president. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. Hey, hey, Ryan, let me me jump in because so 
I think that it's absurd to assume that Hillary Clinton it has any sort of knowledge about foreign policy for one simple reason, that she didn't even know what top secret no foreign meant and was shooting around classified emails onto her private yeah, server. Agree, so to me, that pretty much negates her opinion, period. And secondly, and I made this observation like earlier, not a single person on that stage, on the main stage, debate stage, um, they've never worn a uniform. Not a single one of them has ever gone overseas. Not a single one of them has ever picked up right. an M16 and shot it at something. And so, quite frankly, I think it's absurd, especially when, you know, Hillary Clinton goes on one of her little hawk tirades or Ted Cruz or any of these guys. I don't think any of them have any room to talk. And that's one of the reasons why I support Rand Paul so much is because I know that, you know, if Rand Paul's elected as president, I'm not going to have to put on my boots and go to Tehran. Like, yeah. I've already been over to the Middle East once. I really don't want to go again. And so, you know, I, I think that, you know, if, if Honestly, I think that is their their biggest strength. I think that Hillary and all these all these others. I think that when it comes to foreign policy, it's going to be extremely damaging. And like I said, I don't want to have to go back in the army. Okay, I want to move on. To, I'm going to go. I want to move on. Ryan, Ryan, I, I want to. I, I, I got to move on. I want to go down to uh, rapid fire. Okay. What? No, I, I, I got I, someone. How can, how can can they go to your Facebook page and click the link? How can someone uh, listen to our conversation? Yeah, that go to the. They, they go to blogtalkradio.com slash a minor detail, M-I-N-E-R. Thank you, sir. So let's go into rapid fire, uh, and I want to start with you, Julie. Watching debate last night, what, what is an, a topic that you would have liked to see discussed more at length? Um, I don't think they, and I may have missed it because it did go on and on, but um, I don't think there was a whole lot of discussion regarding um, – you know, the regulation actions that are going around Congress from all aspects, from the EPA to this, um, you know, well, even the, the gay marriage debate, there's, you know, things are going around our process. And uh, personally, I find that troubling. A lot of executive orders always has been some of that, but my perception of it, it seems to be that there is just a lot of things that are not going by um you know, our representation, particularly with the EPA and how that affects us in Maryland, and that's just something I wish I heard more about from these people. Okay. Uh, Eugene Craig, is there something that you wanted to hear last night but you did not? Um, I kind of wanted to hear more about the economy, you know, and going beyond just tax Amen. plans. Um, you know, I think, you know, tax plans are going to be good. You know, we do know that it's a fact that when you lower the overall tax rate, that people, that, you know, economic productivity does multiply. But, you know, I wanted to hear more detail. I wanted to hear, you know, hey, what are you going to do? You know, you know, what is your, you know, jobs plan going to be? Um, you know, I want it more. I want it more. I want it more than just, hey, you know, I was a business guy and I was a business woman and, you know, both our companies failed. <laughs> yeah. No, I appreciate that. Kim, Euler, what what did you want to hear last night discussed a little bit more than what was discussed on stage? Um, first, I agree with Eugene on the economy, but also um, there was nothing discussed about education at all. Absolutely. Except for Trump's little barb at Jeb about Common Core, and that was it. Well, Kim, look, we, you know, Josh and Paige are in third and uh, sixth grade, and uh, Common Core impacts us. Very much so. I mean, that's the that's the the, the core standards, uh, and that's the materials that we are operating in the framework with. So, w do you want to see Kim? Do you want to see the candidates 
talk about the education system? Do you want to see candidates talk about uh, how they would uh, work within the framework of the Department of Education? Yeah, I do. I mean, honestly, I'm not impressed by Common Core. We we did it every day when the kids come home from school and their homework, and it's not impressive at all. Um, And, you know, I agree with Rand that it it shouldn't be left to the federal level. You know, each state should decide, and I think Common Core needs to go. It's it's not helping our kids. It's not going to help America in the long run. Joe Stephan, what did you hear last night that surprised you? Seriously, I could not believe, despite his arrogance, that Donald Trump wants to put his daughter on a $10 bill. That floored me. You really can't believe that? Come on, Joe. Well, I want the $10 bills. If it happens, I will hoard them. I will paper my bedroom in them. But I just could not believe he had the audacity to say that a week or two after the Rolling Stone interview and with his whole history of doing that kind of crap. That stunned me, yeah. To me, it shows how... The level of his arrogance is unprecedented. He can get away with it because I have to tell you, Donald Trump strikes me as a Republican's version in 2015 or 2016 that Barack Obama was for the Democrats in 2008. Speaking platitudes, that's all he does, except when it comes to his daughter, then he gets specific. Yeah, uh, and that it's gross. It's (laughs) disgusting. But in seriousness, I think I would have liked a little bit more on the economy as well. Yeah, I agree with you. Can we agree on this with the Trump? Can we agree, and I I think we can, that last night was a prime example of what he's done to this field. They all stepped up their game. He has forced them to go to a street fight, and they've stepped up their game. They can't sit back in your lofty offices anymore. You've got to get out and mix it up. And, uh, I mean, I definitely don't like his style, but I think he's made them all better candidates. Do we agree on that? That's exactly um, what I said. Absolutely. Did, did they? I think that he has forced them to, to. I mean, anybody that speaks about Donald Trump in terms of policy is going to be able to, no pun intended, trump him because he doesn't get into the specifics. But, I mean, if, if it makes someone a better candidate by having the fear of being taunted on stage in front of the national – in front of a national audience, then – Okay, I I can see that point, but I don't think that Donald Trump is really bringing anything unique to this race like some people have said that he is. I mean, they say that he's talking about things that people haven't talked about. We've been having a discussion on immigration for years. That is something that has been an ongoing discussion. And look, we had this discussion last night about the Supreme Court. And I want to go to you, Liz, and someone who you know could be potentially in Congress – should there be a litmus test about the Supreme Court? Um, so the Supreme Court, people spend, lawyers spend a lot more time um, evaluating the Supreme Court than they do the legislature, which I think is kind of weird uh, because the legislature is actually, yeah, where we make laws. And the Supreme Court and the, you know, the Title III um, uh, courts are appointed and, you know, very important for, for federal law. But, um, when it comes to the Supreme Court, it is for us a very venerable. Like we we held held it hold it to a very high regard, um, and I'm hoping that we can preserve that branch of the government um, and protect it from. And that's what that's how it's actually been created to be protected from the whims and the wills of the, the masses. 
Um, so um, I don't think that it should be, um, you know, placed in any more restrictions than it already has. I think it is interesting with life ter- life term terms, like you know what I mean. Um, um, but um, you know, that was interesting uh, when um, Justice Roberts was um, appointed. They did point out the fact that he's so young that he could be, you know, on the court for arguably 40 years. Yeah, seriously. Um, so so that's a very interesting, profound um, aspect of the Supreme Court. I'm not touching. I would not even begin to, to do it because I, I do respect that um, branch of the government um, and that aspect of law a lot. Uh, Eric Beasley, Huckabee said that he, yes, would have a litmus test, and he said for three reasons. One, he said he would ask potential Supreme Court justices the following questions. Do you think that unborn children are human beings? Two, do you believe in the First Amendment and religious liberty? Three, and do you believe in the Second Amendment? Oh, and four, do you believe in the Fifth and Fourteenth Amendment? So I think that, I mean, Huckabee was just pandering to the people who might support him. So, I mean, the real litmus is that somebody actually has, like, read the Constitution. Because, honestly, I don't think Ginsburg's ever read the dang thing. Um, I mean, people, you know, you know, she's completely, completely, okay. okay. And so, and and this whole, like, how, you know, basically this uh, judicial activism that we keep having to deal with. And so I don't think, uh, you know, Huckabee, of course, I think is completely wrong on basically everything. Um, So I think... There does need to be a litmus test, but the litmus test is not, like, basically, are you a Christian or not? It's the litmus test should actually be, do you know what the Constitution says, and will you actually follow what it says? Yeah, yeah but that's the, my the whole, you guys, you, you guys love that whole, like, um, what, judicial activism? But judicial activism is the reason why we, a lot more of us, have rights than fewer. No, when it comes to women, no, that's hold on, when it comes wrong. to um, um, the, women... Look, okay, so, you know, African-Americans got the right to vote from a constitutional amendment. Women got the right to vote from a constitutional amendment. That was not judicial activism. No, that even, was the no, process even, no, hold on. Even, even, even just to be able to um, represent yourself in court, even just to be able to sit as sure. a juror, you know, those things came through um, the living document. I believe it's a living document, though. That's and, 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 and if, if, if I can jump in here, is our representative from the bid, the Democrat, the Republican Party, the, the, the gentleman, is he, is he African-American? I understood. Him yeah, to be Eugene is. Eugene? Yes, I am. Okay. Yes. This right here is why I stand for a center and a center-right portion of the Democrat Party, because I don't think African-Americans are ever going to be able to vote Republican for just this argument here. We may love Rand Paul. <laughs> Folks can love Rand Paul and love his libertarianism until it hits the ground when you want to sit at a counter and he says, well, an employer has a right to serve or not serve well, whoever he wants. Well, that, but, well, and, and so well, that and some of these other issues like judicial, she's correctly, she's correct. I mean, maybe, you know, judicial activism has helped minorities and helped women and helped disadvantaged people. And, and Republicans saying, oh, it's the worst thing ever. Oh, my gosh. What do you think people are getting from that? And there, there okay. aren't enough no, white. Can I, let me, me keep. Can I, can I jump in here? No, what I actually said was you, you, that rights you, I want and you to changes the Constitution should go through the legal process. 
I didn't say that judges should make the ruling. I said that the, if you want a constitutional amendment for gay marriage or whatever the hell it is, then you go through the process instead of trying I'm, to bypass I'm, it by going I'm to the Supreme I'm not talking court. about your comments at all. I'm just talking about your party thinks it's, quote, unquote, this big, horrible thing called judicial activism. And just well, your point of view on that is shutting a off a lot of those it's, folks. It's a trigger word. It's a trigger word that closes discourse and doesn't appreciate the actual how this country actually is set up to work. That's let me all. regain. Let me regain uh, control of my panel. Uh, so I, because I, I want to, I want to move on real quick because uh, we have about six minutes left, and I, I want to get no some some final comments in here. And I want to start with Eric Beasley, top three performers last night. Uh, Rand Paul, Rand Paul, and Carly Fiorina. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. my opinion. Okay, uh, Julie Brewington. Who were the top three performers in last night's debate? Um, Ken, Ted Cruz, Carly Fiorima, and I probably Paul. Okay. Uh, Selwyn, top three performances last night. Carly Fiorina, Rand Paul, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tie it with Chris Christie and uh and and, uh, and Casey. Okay. All right. And, and uh, I. In there because he did show us uh, again as ever like I said that Trump makes everyone better he's evolving he's showing us he you know okay I got another bully here I can do something different it's about you it's about you I'm not going to make it about me and my weight and everything else it's about you and your life and you know it was obvious he was doing it but at least he's evolving you know he's growing as a candidate I don't like anyone who can't win their home state and you're not bringing New Jersey to the red column anyone no more Al Gore syndrome anyone who can't well, win their home state Gets off my list. Yeah, he lost Tennessee. Um, <laughs> uh, Tom Coleman, uh, top top three performances. Oh, Carly, number one. I, I think she she done herself a world of good last night. Um, I I really think Jeb Bush did pretty well considering this, the first debate. Uh, he pretty much was flat in the first debate. The second debate, he he kind of looked presidential and. And stood up there and answered the questions, and and looked like he was about ready to cock Donald Trump at one one point, talking about his brother. I don't know if anybody else recognized that. Yeah, he kind of squeezed his fist a little bit there when he was talking, you know, talking about his brother. And the third, I I don't know. I mean, I think I think Kasich did okay, but um, you know, I'm a Paul guy, but I, I think Paul fell flat. So okay, uh, Kim Mueller, top three last night. Um, definitely Carly. Um, I think Rand Paul did really well. And I guess my third is tied. I'll go with Kasich because I think he did a good job. And I do have to pull my boy Lindsay from the first debate. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, Liz Matori, what do you think? Top three and the debate. Oh, it's, um, I think Carly did an amazing job. Um, again, except for that one difference that we have. Um, Kasich, I, I think, quite frankly, um, everyone is actually forming themselves a lot better and being able to articulate them and, and their character. When she spoke about you can just see people's characters, um, I think we're getting to see that a lot more. Um, so to my third winner of the night, I would say that the Republican Party won last night um, okay. because it seemed as if, you know, you do have a, a very great array of um, candidates that people do have an opportunity to, again, hear, listen, and, and evaluate from. So I think that the part the parties um, had a win last night. Okay, and then uh, Joe Stefan, top three last night. 
and performance level only it was easily Carly Fiorina. Um, second would probably be, and don't anyone screw me over for this, this performance level probably Chris Christie and then Rand Paul third. Okay. Uh, Eugene, top three performances last night. Top three. I think, you know, Carly did amazing. I think, you know, she may have married a new front runner. I, um, I think you're right, Eugene. Her. I really do. I think yep. Rand Paul. And then, um, you know, I'm going to take the same step here with, with uh, Joe. Please do not beat me up over my uh, next one. But it's Jeb Bush. Oh. I'm going to tell you why. If somebody, you know, said what, you know, Donald Trump said about his wife, about my wife, and we get on stage <laughs> next to each other, and you yeah. don't apologize, you know, I'm going out in cuffs, baby. Put a light him up, aren't you? you? Eugene, my my better half is upstairs, and I I can tell you if anybody said anything mean about her, I would. I mean, I've already done some crazy things in my life. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> I mean, so I'm just saying I've done some crazy wild stuff, but nobody messes, nobody puts baby in the corner. Uh, so I I just want to say uh, as we're wrapping this up, and I want to thank each of the panelists tonight. Um, you guys have really provided some profound insight, and when we did this the first time, I I hadn't I didn't know how it would go, and this panel was very very lively. We had a lot of fun. And uh, I think that, you know, I thought it would be hard to have, you know, five, six, seven people on the panel, but it worked. And I think you guys did a great job. And I really hope you guys come back. And I hope that we can keep having these kinds of conversations. And even if it's for our own fun and benefit. And before we go, I have about a minute left. And I just want to point out, Liz Matori, you're running for Congress and you're working on getting the the necessary signatures, and I want people to check you out. Where can people check you out at on on the on oh, the internet? Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Um, it's just www.lizmatory.com, but Twitter and um, uh, Instagram is Liz for Congress um, at Liz for Congress. Um, you can also email me Liz at lizmatory.com. Again, one percent of the um, uh, voting population. They don't have to be Republicans, Democrats, anyone who's um, ready to vote in. Congressional Ace can um, sign a petition to help me um, get placed on the general ballot. So okay. thank you so okay. much for that, and um, appreciate it. You're, sure. Selwyn, where can people find you? Yes, uh, Selwyn Donnie Bridgman, a candidate for uh, town council in Bladensburg, Ward 1, bridgestoprosperity.net. That is okay, website, great. bridgestoprosperity.net, and on Facebook at a Bridgman Bladensburg Initiative. Thank All you. Right. Appreciate Eric, your support. Yeah, Eric, Julie, Selwyn, Thomas. Kim, Liz, uh, and and Joe, and Eugene. Guys, it was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. And this has been another sure, episode sure. of A Minor Detail. Good night. Good night. Thanks. Hey. <laughs>